0: So let's shimmy on over and get started. Today's guest is a really interesting woman with lots going on in her life. And we've just had a little chat offline about how much is going on. But Dr. Caroline Lloyd is a GP with a multifaceted career. So after graduating from Monash University, she's worked in traditional general practice, women's health, sexual health, cosmetic dermatology, hypnotherapy, bariatric surgery, and has now found her passion in mental health. She's completed her Master's of Counselling, which led to training in EMDR, which I'm going to get Caroline to talk to us all about. And she now specialises in the treatment of trauma and eating disorders using EMDR, so where she helps to get her clients unstuck from their past traumas and facilitating their progress to a calmer, more connected and fulfilling life. And Caroline works at women's mental health facilities, in her own counselling private practice and in general practice. And when she's not working, which I'm not quite sure when that is, she enjoys family time, her dogs, gardening and renovating. Oh my gosh, Caroline, welcome. Welcome to the Happiness Hive
1: podcast. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's lovely to be here.
0: Oh, I really love connecting. I love connecting with women that have got different experiences and just finding out how they do life you sound like you're a busy woman are you a busy um, woman I am I am quite busy yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I managed to squeeze in a few things but <laughs> yes do you relate to busy like you are busy
0: I am busy, busy.
1: yes I'm, I definitely am too I'm probably too busy and I yeah. Probably looking at ways to become a bit less busy in my life, but, yeah. but I actually do love busy. Like yes. I, I, I yes, do yes, enjoy yes. it. I love a project and I yes. love getting started on things. And you know, maybe I don't love my to-do list, but, um, <laughs>
0: but I love the rewards that it brings to kind of tick things off. Mm. Yeah. And like I really, I'm a busy woman as well. Mm. And often when I, (laughs) often when I ask busy women, do they relate to it? They often say, oh, that's just life though. That's life. Mm. And that can be, there can be a good busy. There can also be the flip side and we'll maybe dive into that a little bit later. Mm. And I also hear people saying, if you want something done, ask a busy person. That is absolutely true. <laughs> yes, I yes. definitely relate to that because
1: yeah. I think maybe we've developed some kind of strategies to sort of do things right then and there and, you know, put them on the to-do list and kind of achieve some things. So yes,
0: yeah. And I think, I don't know about you. I am, I wired that way. I think I'm, oh, maybe we'll get into this afterwards mm-hmm. about that nature versus, ner- what, what are your thoughts? wired that way or wired that way Um, of what we've learned well I think in in my
1: family there's definitely a culture of achievement like we are all quite you know dad was a really you know big achiever professionally and and mum always had stuff going on so I probably got a little bit of both mm. you know mum's mm. always got lots of hobbies and mm. lots of things going on and she's a fantastic organizer so I think mm. I've got my organizing ability from her and yeah
0: but I have to say they are probably a bit better at relaxing than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's it I did not I haven't really thought about that and that just popped out of my mouth but I wouldn't say that I've come from a family of high achievers I'd say that I've come from a family of capable but there was never pressure there was never it was kind of like yeah do your own kind of thing mm-hmm. my or like I'm a good organizer but that was not my natural it wasn't until I started progressing up the leadership ranks when I had to then manage and lead other people and I would just kind of leave things to the last minute and was very very capable <laughs> but that might not have been the best strategy when you're leading a team of others and I learned to get very organized then I know yeah. that Yeah. know that yeah. And, uh, so it's probably a combination of both, isn't it? It probably, probably. is, yeah. Mm. I think people naturally
1: have a different different energy level. So I yes. think some people are more kind of have the laid-back sort of vibe and yeah. others have the, you know, just naturally if,
0: you know, I wouldn't call myself a high-energy person, but I, mm. I suppose I just focus it quite well. Yeah, mm. do you know what i saying? Some mm. people do say I'm high-energy, but I'm not an in-your-face high-energy. Mm. Mm. I think I focus it and yeah and utilize it well yeah so what stage of life busy we've we've ticked that off (laughs) what what stage of life are you at just for so our listeners can kind of get the you know the the vibe of where you're at
1: yeah well I, i am actually quite surprisingly in a fantastic stage of life and i would never have predicted this oh Yeah, that in my, I suppose you could call it nearly mid-50s, mid which is also just a surprise by itself that this managed to creep up so quickly. But so in my mid-50s, I have discovered my passion and, you know, it feels like a calling to me, my career now. So having kind of just cruised through my, my previous career and raised my children and and they're now out of the house, so I am an empty nester. Oh, have and they come back?
0: Mine have come back and left and come back. Not yet, not oh. yet. So we'll see. I suppose that that might play <laughs> out.
1: But I've got one at uni and one, or well, both at uni. Yeah. And uh, so one's living at uni and one's living independently. So yeah. So the beginning of Last year, when the younger one moved out, was like, "What am I going to do yeah. now like in terms yeah. of my personal life, that was a little bit of a shake up and I had to refocus a bit of energy on friends and yes. I had also i was a single mum for about oh over t- maybe ten years wow yeah, and so I decided to focus a little bit on dating, and that has paid off
0: oh no, well please. done yes on you. You. I guess there's probably some women that are and, and blokes too tips on that e-harmony e-harmony <laughs> yeah I've got another girlfriend who's just found somebody really in her mid 50s as well yes yeah so great and i, I loved great. it
1: I, like i tried all the apps and they didn't yeah. really do it for me it's not yeah. that's not my thing yeah. but eHarmony seemed to you know match me with people oh, with lovely. A lot of values and i think yeah. that was that was really 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 important for me but the other tip i, I would say is be brave do it do it you, yeah. you actually just have to feel the fear and do it any, anyway yeah. because yeah it can be quite challenging to go out back into the dating world again. And um, I didn't realize we would be talking about dating. But anyway, no, me
0: either. me either. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love how the chats kind of go where they need to. So dating. Yeah. Cats, yeah. So
1: yeah, so that would be my my yeah. advice. If if you're a bit scared, then yes, that is very reasonable to be scared and fearful and worried and all of those sort of things. And it's not as bad as what you think it will be. Yeah. And you know, just take
0: sensible steps and and move forward. So yeah. Do you know what? When you're saying that, when because no, that's not what I was predicting either that <laughs> we would be talking about. But if we take out dating advice and insert whatever it is that you want to achieve. I think those tips are the same, like yeah. be brave and feel the fear and do it anyway. Like if you want it, be sensible, take precautions. So it's about yeah. doing a, you know, our risk assessment around it, Yeah. you know, putting, you said you were very clear about your values and yeah. that you met somebody who was in alignment. So when we're wanting to achieve something, it's about knowing what's important to us. Yeah. And then, you know, knowing, what's important so we can set up boundaries around that. So even yeah. though, yep, dating advice, it still relates, to me that relates to anything that we want it's to life in general, in yeah, yes, life in general. Yeah. Mm. yeah, what else? there was something that you said I was going to go back to. It's surprisingly a great place to be in life.
1: Yeah.
0: And the thing that intrigued me was that you said surprisingly. Yes. What's that? Tell me more about that.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I guess, so that relates also to my career and where I'm yes. at in my career. So, you know, I, I'm i really into the therapy side of things now. And, you know, I, I probably identify myself as a trauma therapist and an EMDR yes. therapist. And that's really become my great passion in life. And I, I really do love it and yes. think that everyone should have it. And we can talk yeah. a bit more about it. Yeah, that
0: we will. Then. Yeah.
1: But uh I hadn't expected to find something that I was so passionate about and really was prepared to kind of hop into with both feet at this stage of my career. And, you know, I have friends who are looking at retirement or sort of winding yes, down. Yes, and yeah, yeah. for me, I'm just the opposite.
0: I'm like, I'm revving up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love that. So I like, love I've it. Everybody out there me. listening, yeah, listening yeah. that don't, Let age be a barrier in any way, Mm, and that that things can kind of spring into life when you're at least expecting it. So that's That's right. right. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off there. You were going to say something.
1: Oh, I was just going to say because I've worked part-time for such a long time because of my kids, and yes, I yes. that was also one of my values, that I wanted to be there as much as I could for them. So, yes, I worked part-time, and I was very, very lucky to be able to do that. I know that that's that's not a privilege that everyone yeah. can have. Yes, I was lucky to do that. Uh, but now I'm working, you know, 45, 50 hours a big week. Big hours, yeah. Big hours, and it's, it's, that's also a bit of a surprise to me, <laughs> but also, you know, I go to work because I love it and I want to yes. be there and I want to, you know, I don't want to turn my patient, and my clients away. That's the overlap between the doctor and the, and the therapist, like doctors, patient. call patients, patients yes. and the yes. therapists, it's
0: clients. So I'm, I'm trying to wean myself onto clients, but what's it, that mind shift? Because that's interesting in itself, yeah. that different, mind shift around patients in mm-hmm. one hat that you're wearing because you're still a GP aren't you I am yes very part-time that's just a yes.
1: half day
0: a week yeah yeah okay so still a GP with patients trauma therapist with clients clients that's right yeah like what goes on for you around that difference is there a difference for you I'm just intrigued so I guess in theory clients
1: so, so that with patients it's a little bit possibly a bit more paternalistic. So with patients, it's a little bit like I give you advice, you follow it. I give you a prescription, you take it type of thing. I mean, obviously nowadays most people have a different relationship with a GP and and it's much more collaborative than it used Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. But with clients, I guess there's a a little bit of a different emphasis. I guess, you know, I I just see myself as there to – to help my clients heal and to provide the right environment for their brain to heal. So, you know, our brains have an enormous capacity to heal by themselves, but given the right environment, they can do it a lot quicker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty much all that EMDR is about. It's just about providing the environment for our brains to make better sense of where we're at and what happened and the memories that, that they have. And yeah, so, so I guess the client is, is
0: more collaborative and yeah. more, more empowering. Yes. Yeah. Does yeah. I, makes- I kind of get that too. And do not, it might be semantics. I often people say to me, you know, am I a coach or am I a mentor or, or am I a this or that? And it's kind of like, I get a bit funny with labels sometimes because mm. I'm really about helping people mm. and, and I have a whole toolkit you Mm. know, carpet bag of different things that I use. And sometimes it's about, you know, I'm not a pure coach. I'm not a, you know, I have a whole range of things that I do. So label sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think there
0: is a big overlap too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and therapy. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes I tell people what, I never tell them what they should do, Mm. but I will share in teaching mode. I guess Mm -hmm. there's sometimes I'm just completely a sounding board. Sometimes I just ask lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I just shut up and let them talk. So it really depends on where they're at. Yeah. Oh, Um, look, a good question can be,
1: you know, the pivoting point.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go back to EMDR in a minute because I do Mm -hmm. want to explore that. How did you get into you? So you've said that you had a fairly high achieving family. So getting into medicine was that something that you just always knew you wanted to do, or how did that come about?
1: Yes, in a, in a word, I remember wanting to be a doctor when I was a child, like wow. young, wow. yeah, I yeah, and I always had an interest in anatomy and you know fixing things <laughs> and, uh, and fixing you know that that sort of Florence Nightingale. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so I remember wanting to be a doctor since I was very little. I also, when I, when I went through high school, I wanted to be an actor and that sort yeah. of came, yeah, you know, we haven't talked about this, but yeah. yeah, so I actually, halfway through med school, I had a bit of a, a career crisis and took a year off and did a lot of acting and then went back to med school and finished and mm-hmm. Then after my intern year and, and second year residency, then I went out into general practice, which you could do at the time. Nowadays you can't, but yeah. at the time you could. So went into general practice and worked part time and pursued an acting career. Oh my gosh.
0: That. I did not know all of this. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is so fun. Oh uh,
1: really yeah. It fun. was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Met a lot of amazing people, had some great experiences yeah. and Yeah, had, had some moderate success. I can't. What sort of
0: acting was it?
1: like stage yeah yeah I did yeah. the works so I did stage and I did film and television and I did some commercials and I did some voiceover and oh, oh my yeah. gosh yeah I did some writing produced a couple of shows
0: myself and yeah that's just it. on the side just while you <laughs> becoming a GP oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah interesting maybe we need to do a part two on this one and see <laughs> it's it, it actually feels like a very very long time ago yeah now. Yes, so you then kind of focused on the, the medicine yes. yes so
1: when I had my kids I was still doing the acting and it just became quite hard to do that yeah. with kids and I only, like being
0: a GP wasn't <laughs> <laughs> yes. the acting was. Uh, hard the acting is
1: as much like in terms of time management interesting yeah. acting and children are mm. a very mm. difficult yeah. combination yeah okay so yeah I remember, you know, getting phone calls the night before and saying, "Oh, you need to be on set at 6 a.m." and me going, "Okay, hi, mom." <laughs> yeah, childcare. Yeah, yeah. Childcare. And yeah. were you a single parent at that stage as well? Not initially, but then, yeah, yeah. When when my kids were two and five, that's when, mm-hmm. that's when the partnership broke down. And and yeah, I was a single parent from then.
0: Oh, so yeah. lots of juggling. Lots of juggling. Lots of juggling. Mm-hmm. Lots of juggling. Gosh, 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 yeah. gosh. So you became a GP and then you said yeah. to me that you kind of have found your calling now, mm. it's later. So it sounds yeah. like it, it was kind of a calling anyway. Yeah. So wanting to be a, a doctor from a very young age, sounds like that was a, yes. you, you knew what you wanted to do. But then you said to me that I've really found, now it feels like I've really found my calling. Yeah. yeah. And that's with the trauma therapy.
1: Trauma therapy, yeah, I, I just love it. I, I love talking to people about their lives and yeah. the thing about being an EMDR therapist as opposed to a therapist who doesn't do EMDR. Well, so what's
0: EMDR? Tell us oh, what EMDR is because yeah. um, I deliberately didn't say that at the beginning, but yes. some people might not be familiar with the term. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: so EMDR stands for eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing. So it's a very long name <laughs> for for a therapy in which you basically so we work on difficult memories one by one yeah. and process them using eye movement and some other techniques, yeah. but often eye movement to to help people shift their idea of the memory and help them lose the distress associated with the memory. And also help them learn something better about themselves wow. attached to that memory. So, you know, most people will have some uncomfortable or distressing memories. And so, you know, I think
0: everybody should
1: do EMDR.
0: I was going to, you know, you just read my mind because I was going to ask, is it yeah. just for people who have experienced major trauma? Or is it like when you just said then about difficult memories? Mm it could be things that hold them back it's not always a absolutely yes it's not, yeah. it's
1: not always a big t trauma no. so yeah so we we talk about big t trauma and little t trauma yeah. and what tea, are they yeah yeah, yeah. so big t trauma is the things that everybody recognises as trauma, like it might be a car accident or, you know, it might be medical trauma, you know, having cancer yes, and having yeah. a, an operation. And, you know, it, even just those things are definitely traumatic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. bullying, you know, a, a, an accident at work. um, So those sort of things, you know, war, that kind yes, of thing yes, we yes, recognise yes, as being yeah. trauma. We, we all know that that's trauma. So that's the big T trauma. The small T trauma is a bit more subtle, Mm -hmm. and it's things like interpersonal trauma. So it might be, you know, people telling you that you're no good, or that you'll never make a good doctor, or that you'll, you know, never make a good X, Y, Z, or bullying is is another one that can be very subtle, especially for women. So girls at school bully in much more subtle sort of interpersonal ways, and that can be horrendously traumatic yeah but not recognized even by teachers sometimes Mm. so you know divorce can be either the big t trauma or the small t trauma and you know and the small t trauma is often not recognized and and it's often about the support that you don't have so little things can happen to everybody and Mm. they do you know someone says a, a mean comment in the street or you there's an episode of road rage and you're on the receiving end. Like that's not big T trauma, but it is small T trauma. And then if you go home and you talk to your partner about it or you talk to a friend about it and have a a good old debrief, then you've got enough support and you hear some sensible things and you hear, you know, that somebody loves you and that you are you weren't at fault and that everything's okay and, you you know, you hear those sort of supportive things, then it's not necessarily traumatic. But, if you go home and you can't talk to anyone about it, you bottle it up and you don't know what to think and it it sort of overlays on a whole mm. lot of other negative experiences you've had. then it certainly can be trauma yeah, yeah. it's interesting
0: yeah. when you're describing that I also work in the corporate space, doing executive coaching and consultancy, and these last couple of weeks I've been on working on a project that's just. Going off the rails, but it's going off the rails because of people not respecting and valuing each other's differences and having certain expectations about what it should be. But they all have very different expectations. So I've been meeting with people, and some of the people there are traumatised from this experience. And I would say that it's been the little t trauma. But I would predict, and I, you know, in the corporate context, I deliberately haven't gone there, but I would predict that they've had some other trauma. It's going on in life that this is kind of just in flight, like this on its own is is traumatic, but a couple of the people haven't had the outlet to, to, they've bottled things up. And because Mm. it's a work context, they felt that it's not okay to sort of say how they're feeling and all sorts Mm. of things. So a few of them did kind of release what Mm. was going on. And you could see afterwards just the, oh, somebody's actually listened to me without yeah. judgment without yeah. saying I'm a not a good person so so valuable that's so valuable what you've helped them with there. yeah yes and so how does EMDR mm. work with that how do you mm. yeah how do you do it <laughs> how do yeah. you do it What do, what do you do with it so it, it sounds very woo woo, but it's it's not. This woo woo is right up our alley, but it's also <laughs> scientific yeah. as well. Even it? it's yeah. very
1: scientific, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good evidence to show that it actually does work. So I'll just preface that. Yeah, um, so it's very much an evidence based therapy. Yeah. what we do is we take whatever memory it is. So yeah. it might be, you know, that moment in the boardroom where yeah. your supervisor yeah. said. Well, where's that thing I asked you for? And humiliated you in front of the the whole board, whatever whatever it might be. So we take that moment and we sort of dissect it down a little bit. So we figure out the moment of the trauma that that the best represents the trauma. We figure out what you learned about yourself in that moment. So that negative cognition about yourself. So that may be, I'm not good enough, say, for example, with that example. And then we delve into the emotions that come up with it, which may be, for example, shame or embarrassment or sadness. It might be anger, whatever it might be. And we we just label that and then we find out where that sits in your body. So where do you feel that? And for shame, it's often in the face. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they often feel, you know, hot cheeks or it yeah. might be, it might be gut. So it might be, on yeah, the, yeah. it might be chest. It's quite yeah. often chest. Yeah. Some people it's in their hands because that's yeah. where they, you know, that's where they're, they're holding it. Mm. So, so we set up the memory like that. And then we start what's called the bilateral stimulation. So that's either the eye movements. So watching a pointer go backwards and forwards, or we do some tapping, which is yeah. like, tapping on the shoulders like that. Or we use some other strategies to help the brain kind of let go of that moment. So we do that for about 20 or 30 seconds, and we check in and yeah. and see what's going on. And then we start again. And then so we do that process for as long as it takes for that memory to lose its pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: what we often find is that during that process, people will slip into another memory. Yes. So yeah. yeah, so their brain holds yeah. that memory in connection with others that have a similar theme. Mm. So it, they might go to last week when someone did something similar or when they were six years old and they had to stand up in front of the class and the teacher said something Mm. not so nice about the work that they were presenting or you know lots of being at home and you know with mum and dad when they were 14 and them saying something critical or you know so the brain will make the connections that it needs to make and it can heal all of those connections through that one memory Yes, so there's some what's called globalisation of the good effect of dealing with that particular memory. So, yeah, so sometimes sessions are really quite emotional and yes. and bring up a lot of past yes. stuff. You know, it might be to do with the parents having very critical parents or unrealistic expectations of of that person, or you know, it might be other experiences that they've had as an adult. But yeah, we we sort of keep following those little details. Yeah until we come to a place of resolution and then we install a positive cognition so that might be instead of uh, I'm not good enough it might be I'm very good at what I do or I'm a good person or you know something along those lines and we install that and we check in with the body make sure the body is clear and if the body is clear then the session's done so
0: Oh my gosh, I love, I love all of that stuff. And it's, do you know, it's very similar to what I do. Now I'm not a AMD therapist, but some of the practices that I use yeah. through the coaching, the NLP, the neuralistic programming, timeline therapy, they're same, mm. same, but different
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: in about getting, and I find that the memory is almost the, that is opening the door. Yes. And then there's other things, and quite often you you probably will find this as well, but quite often my clients will say, oh, my gosh, I've just had this memory pop into my mind that I haven't even thought about for you know and it's something like when I was three years old and yeah. and it's kind of like yep, yeah, that's the subconscious bringing that memory forward yet yeah. it's part of the chain isn't it that's, in those that's exactly right it's that, it's that web yeah. that interconnected yeah. web of, of neural networks yeah, yeah. oh my gosh yeah. I love that yeah. tell me Caroline we were talking about the the EMDR when they were doing it in a lot of like group session like group and please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but when they, um, a lot of natural disasters and where that came, can you just talk me yes. through that a little bit more? Yeah. Yes.
1: So this is actually a really exciting development yeah. in EMDR and, and also the direction that I'm sort of wanting to yes. sort of yeah. go in at the moment. So, so EMDR was developed as a very individual therapy. So yes. it's a one-on-one, you know, you talk a, a bit in, you know, while it's happening. And you know your client well, they know you, there's sort of relational healing as well. Yeah. But group EMDR is something different. So group EMDR was originally, I believe, developed in Mexico in relation to the enormous earthquake that happened there I'm not quite sure of the timeline, but I think it was in the nineties. Nineties, like, yeah. yeah. I'm not exactly sure either. But yeah. yeah, by a Mexican therapist who wanted to be able to develop it, uh, um, to to provide it en masse to yeah. to all these communities. So. Yeah. So he developed this protocol for group EMDR whereby – and there's amazing pictures of him sitting in amongst rubble and demolished houses and, you know, 60 or 70 people sort of sitting around in a circle all doing EMDR on themselves – so how that works is that and he you know the in the picture he's standing there with this with this great big oh, like a megaphone called? or a, a megaphone a, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah giving instructions via megaphone so everyone can can hear it which is so totally different to kind of you know this very close to experience that we have in our rooms but so they go through a similar process they Identify the, the upsetting part of the memory yeah. and what it meant to them. And, and then they do the butterfly tap, which is a form of bilateral stimulation. Mm-hmm. So they use that instead of eye movements in that particular scenario. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it works the same way as the eye movements because it's. A, it's
0: Can a I just powerful. interrupt? So for the people mm-hmm. watching YouTube, you'll see Caroline and I doing the butterfly tap tap Mm -hmm. for those that are listening we've just got our arms crossed across our heart region and just tapping our shoulders just slowly aren't we so there's a difference
1: with slow and fast tapping okay yeah yeah so the faster (laughs) tapping
0: Yeah, that's me. I'll be a fast tapper. Yeah, I like
1: fast the slow tapping. taps. Yeah. yeah. So fast tapping is more for reprocessing. So that's more for addressing the actual acute memory. Yeah. And we use slow tapping for, for resourcing or for,
0: for giving you something pleasant. So yeah. interesting because when I do the fast tap, actually my natural tendency was to do mm. slow, mm. but the fast tap was almost like shake it out. Yeah. Yeah and the yep. slow tap feels very comforting and yes. nurturing and arming. I think it's calming exactly. is that mm. what it's meant to? Yes it is yeah so we'll often use the slow
1: it's either called the butterfly hug or butterfly tapping we'll often use the slow tapping if we feel that people need more calm more love more mm. strength mm. more mm. kindness like mm. whatever it is that they need mm we can resource them with that and just do that nice slow tapping and alongside some imagery with the calm place or light stream. You might be
0: aware of these. Mm. You're nodding. I love it. it. I'm just kind of in this calm place now. And Caroline's got a very calm demeanour and her setting's very calm as well.
1: Oh, that's lovely. lovely. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Sorry, I interrupted you when we were doing the butterfly. you were talking about doing that in that group setting as well yeah yeah
1: so since then um the group emdr has been expanded to lots of different scenarios so it's been used for healthcare providers it's been used for uh, i'm just thinking about a couple of studies that have been published so it's been used in a wide variety of sessions but you know in settings say for example with people working with Adolescents in a residential unit, because mm. there's a fair bit of trauma that goes on there. So for the carers working in those mm. units and for people who are frontline workers yes. and COVID it was used during COVID online. So that's, mm. that's a whole nother level. So group EMDR online. Wow. Uh, wow. is kind of the way of the future, I think.
0: Mm. Um, That's cool, and you can get results. You can get great results um, online as well. Yes, you absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. How did the eye movements work then? Like, without going into the whole, because you were talking about that. Like, I can feel the energy in my body shifted quite, quite dramatically. It's got a really nice calming effect. What, just really quickly, how do the eye movements? (laughs)
1: Yes. So there's, there's a lot of discussion about that actually, like how they actually work, you know, on a neurophysiological Mm. basis. Mm. And we don't 100% know how, you know, there's a, there's discussion about REM sleep because that's your eyes go backwards and forwards during REM sleep. And there's discussion about the left and right hemispheres and increasing blood flow and connection Mm. between the left and the right hemispheres. There's also a new newer theory that it has been sort of put forward by some exceedingly clever therapists in the Netherlands who have developed EMDR 2.0, which is a slightly different iteration of EMDR. So their theory is that it's a more of a competitive taxation of the working memory rather than anything to do with left and right so their theory is that we bring the memory up from long-term memory to short-term memory and whilst the memory is in the short-term memory it's actually more pliable so we can in one sense degrade it by Mm -hmm. playing with it Mm -hmm. while it's in the short-term memory I don't want to sort of playing with it sounds a a bit frivolous but you know we're not We're not frivolous about this. but You're um, kind of addressing it in the short term. Addressing it, yes, exactly right. And the way that we do that is give the short-term memory some tasks to do. So this is one task. This Uh is another task, noticing the tapping. And we can do counting or we can do mathematics or we can do spelling or we can do, you know, repeating words or we can do um, tapping in different patterns. Yeah. So, yeah, so this EMDR 2.0 has been a bit of a game changer in the field.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and it actually works even quicker
0: than EMDR. Wow. Yeah. And you can get quick results, can't you? Like oh, with yeah. this says that yeah. that you can actually access and get quick results yes, absolutely. Around it. and A lot of
1: changing results in, you know, a few sessions. And I don't want to promise that for everyone. No, 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 no. That's but... what I see pretty regularly. Like yeah. I do work at um, a private women's only yes. Yes. M- yes. mental health facility, and so often when I admit women i'll I'll admit them for two weeks and during yes. those two weeks we'll have five sessions of EMDR and that can really make an extraordinary difference yes. in really some quite major trauma, for yes. example, sexual trauma. Yes childhood trauma yeah Yeah, some some really quite difficult traumas like even just five sessions in an inpatient setting yeah can really make a a life-changing
0: difference to people so yeah and also it's different to just talk therapy isn't it like talk therapy can be good yeah but it can also be a longer journey and using it for different things so it's about using the modality and So in combination with or on its own, it it's therapy to be able to address the like you said the difficult memories the trauma yes and then the the bits that are kind of I I picture it in my mind like when you said before that they're connected or they're associated it's like a chain of events like a chain of things that it can mm-hmm. really help to address that can't it absolutely yeah.
1: and people will find that you know one good thorough session on one yeah. thing actually you know the benefit spreads you yeah. know to other aspects yeah, yeah. of your life yeah. so yeah. you know if you learn something different about yourself then that will become apparent in all aspects of your life yeah. So yeah, yeah. if you if you suddenly get the idea that Yes, I am a worthy person, or I am good at what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know
0: that that has reverberations through your whole life, and it's oh my it's... gosh, it so does. It's like that ripple effect, isn't it? And then the decisions that you make and mm-hmm. the boundaries that you put mm-hmm. in place and Absolutely. you know why you do yep. things versus why you don't do things. and yes. you know I was talking with you offline about this when we caught up before about you know when I was younger and my mum passed away, we had no counseling at all it was kind of like this has happened don't ever talk about it again just get on Mm. with life and Mm. I didn't really and it sounds I even it sounds a bit funny even saying it to myself but didn't associate that with trauma Mm. of course there was a level of me going yes that was trauma but I didn't really feel that that was trauma until just recently yeah and it was kind of like and some of the stuff with my Processing of information. When I was going through school, I was not a good student, and I would say that's because my brain had actually shut down. The trauma was affecting me and my learning, and I've done a lot of work since around that. Yeah, has been good, but those old stories of saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm just stupid," yeah, versus "Oh my gosh, my mother has just died," (laughs) and that's right, and and things. So it does affect you, and that's that. Um, so i 've just turned fifty seven yeah that was when I was twelve so that 's a lot of yeah. years to i mean not to say that i 've there 's still residual bits there absolutely
1: yeah,
0: yeah. but that 's quite common isn 't it for yeah. other people that have trauma that they sometimes don 't yes. associate or label it as traumas. Yes.
1: Absolutely, yes, and you know that that thing about never talk of it again, yes. put it yeah. away, move mm. on, be mm. brave. You know, mm. never speak mm. of this mm. again. Mm. You know what that does is it locks it in the long term memory. Yes, so, yeah, so yeah. it makes the natural processing that we all do really hard to do mm. if mm. you if you're not ever allowed to talk or think yes. or mention yes. it, um, and it's just kind of put away. And yeah. you actually have to use a lot of brain energy to keep that trauma locked away. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So it, it mm. takes a, a lot of determination to mm. kind of, you know, shove that in the corner and and never think of it again. And so, you know, your brain was doing a lot of stuff just to keeping that locked yeah. away so you didn't yeah. really have freedom to kind of, you know, to do your schoolwork and concentrate yeah. on this. It was, you know, it was a lot about,
0: I imagine, you know, n- not thinking about Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't done EMDR. I've done a lot of stuff. And when I say that everything's been completely healed, probably not, but um, <laughs> <laughs> some things to keep me, keep me yeah. um, active for the next little while. <laughs> yes. But it comes uh-huh. up, like it does come up. It comes up. And I yeah. think with, you know, different, and not, yeah, different big T trauma, little T trauma, Yeah, things, it can just come up when you're not yeah. expecting it and having yeah. some yeah. strategies in how to to deal with that
1: that's right and and sometimes you know the things that you learn about yourself you know I don't know if you mind if I use your example yeah sure yeah um, absolutely yeah you know for yeah. people who have lost a, yeah. a parent at a young yeah. age you know quite often that gives them what we call an abandonment schema yes. so yeah. you know that an abandonment scheme that's actually a word sort of from um, schema therapy which yes. is also an amazing therapy it's mm. great therapy but it basically sort of holds in concrete that idea yeah. that people I love are going to leave me, mm-hmm. and so as and I'm not suggesting that this was yeah. the case for you, Catherine. So forgive yeah, no, me. No, no, you go, yeah, go, yeah, stems, But you know that really plays out in a in a lot of different ways. So relationships, or sometimes even your relationship with your own children, or you know, and and every time something happens where someone does leave you, which would normally happen to everyone, like. Best yeah. friend goes overseas yeah. to London for a yeah. year, for example. That can really strongly reactivate that abandonment schema and suddenly that wound, which is not healed, is just open to the air for everyone, you know, yeah. or for you to feel. Yeah, it can make, it can make. And I see, mine, my, my,
0: I don't necessarily associate so much with the abandonment, not saying that that's not there, but what I've seen with people that have experienced something where they have felt abandoned, often get impacts with relationships and that mm. over responsibility or over caring or, you know, getting into relationships that might not be the most healthy relationships for yeah. them because that sense of wanting to be needed. Um, awesome. Mine yeah. was very That's much awesome. about, smart, yeah. Right? The mm. thing that played out for me is not knowing almost that not knowing what to do, that feeling of being unsure. Yeah. was your role yeah. model? in life is, you know, the your female role model in life is not there. And so everything, what has played out for me is this, oh, my God, like I've got no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> which is funny because very capable and very competent on the external because I had to be strong, independent, but that internal sense that I've got no idea. Yeah. So that plays out. And I think you probably experience that. I don't know. I, a lot of my clients experience something similar to that as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes.
1: I'd probably call that a negative cognition. Like I don't, yeah, what I'm doing that might yeah. be a negative cognition. Yeah. And, You know, and yeah. that might relate to some period after the trauma, not the actual, yeah, not the actual trauma, trauma. itself. So mm. it's interesting,
0: isn't it? And that's that sort of string of memories. So mm. that's, um, yeah. oh my gosh, where can people find you, Caroline? What's your business? Um, I'm going to ask you about how you fill your cup, but just while we're on this tip, if people want to find out more about EMDR and I know yeah. you're, like your books are very very full, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but, but, but I, I have do have run? yeah. So
1: I I do run intensives, which yes. is so that I'm still available for those. Yes. I'm not taking on kind of one on one clients at the moment, yes. but I am taking on clients for intensives, which is like one Saturday morning, yes. four hours, and we blitz it. It's hard work, but yeah, very yeah. rewarding. Yeah. Um, so and also I'm going to be putting in place some groups. In yeah. the future. So, you know, that's a really exciting development. So my business is called the Therapy
0: Nest and my website is therapynest.com.au. So. That, and we'll have all the details in the show notes too that people can find. Thank you. What do you do to fill your cup? Like you sound busy, busy, busy. Yeah. What do you do to fill your cup? Yeah. So, uh, I love gardening. I, I do love
1: reading, but I don't really have time to read very much <laughs> anymore. <laughs> uh, but I do have four acres. I'm I'm on four acres, so so gardening actually takes oh. up a fair bit of my. um Gorgeous. Where are you located? Where in uh, Upper Beaconsfield, so the outskirts of Melbourne in the Victoria. In, yeah. yeah, Victoria. Mm. Mm-hmm. Four yeah. acres. Love. Yeah. So it's it's a beautiful property. So yeah, so I love the the uh, gardening. And, um, spending time with my family.
0: Yeah. And do you, is your GP, your general practice, is that there or in Melbourne? Is that upper Beaconsfield or Melbourne? Uh, it's in uh, Berwick. Yeah. Berwick.
1: Yeah. Where's that? For... Um, so that's in the outskirts of Melbourne,
0: in the southeast suburbs oh. of Melbourne. Mm. I know we've got a lot of listeners in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, a lot are international, so they'd have no idea where that is, but that's okay. You can yeah. do it online. You can do That's online. Okay. We can do online. Yes, absolutely. So your property fills your cup. Yes. Or, yeah, kids.
1: walking, reading, yeah.
0: kids. Yeah. yeah. Not that they require very much attention nowadays. <laughs> oh, no, same with mine. So, which is kind of good, but it's a different relationship, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline, that has been absolutely beautiful. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to Pop on the podcast and if anybody wants to connect with you, the details are in the show notes and Caroline would be more than happy, I'm sure, to do that. So thank you. Hugs, happiness to you. you. Thank you so much. It was a delight to talk to you. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.